Do re mi fa so la. <laughs> Just playing around, guys. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Rico here, CEO of Source Fine Asia, host of the Main Channel Podcast, and the host of the Source Fine Asia YouTube channel. Back with another one. Um, this episode is uh, it's a little bit different. Like, I, so I don't know if you guys are aware. Mike and I um, took a trip to to Zambia, Southern Africa. I think I was in April, and uh, you know it was his first time going there, and you know. Uh, like basically came, saw my extended family, uh, some of my friends from childhood and stuff like that. Like obviously, I left, I left Zambia when I was ten, but um, it was just I've I've come back here more and more frequently. Like this year, I've literally been in Zambia like three times uh, in the course of the year, just because I've been traveling more this year than I've traveled ever. Um, probably gonna start to go back to Canada more frequently, but that's neither here nor there. Anyways, um, yeah, so it was just, you know, it was a good trip for him. Um, this episode is just basically us recapping the trip and just going through. Obviously, it was more about Mike's first reactions, right? Like, I was more so just, like, you know, adding little details here and there. But it was more Mike reflecting on his experiences going to Zambia and, and Africa for the first time. Um, and I think... For a lot of people that are interested in visiting Africa for the first time, I've said this before, obviously I'm biased, but I think Zambia is a great introductory country to go into. Like it's a very safe place and English is the first language. Um, people are very friendly. Like it has a mixture of like if you're in the city proper, you have all the sort of modern modern amenities. Um, the place is developing rapidly. You know, we're talking about shopping malls everywhere. It's really affordable. Like, you want to do CrossFit, juice, get green juices and all the shit. Like, everything that, you know, most of the stuff that you'd want is there. And it's way more affordable than than um, than the West, right? Or Europe or Australia and stuff. Even more even more so affordable now than China. Like, China's becoming, especially if you're in the big cities, China's becoming more expensive than... It was weird. When I first came back, I'd been in China for like a year at the time the prices were very much comparable I would say the only thing that was like more expensive in China was like if you want to go eat at like a western restaurant whereas like here all the all the restaurants are western restaurants you know what I mean so it's like the local food is western food um whereas in China it's like a western restaurant is like a speciality so it's more expensive anyways uh, I digress so yeah it was uh, about Mike's experiences I think he really enjoyed it I think it opened his eyes I think you know, I've talked. It's one thing when I tell people about what it's like in in Zambia. It's another aspect when you actually physically go there. And I think that was the big thing for him was. And then there's also stuff that I didn't anticipate that he would he would uh, fall in love with or really like. So, without further ado, enjoy the podcast. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. What's up, guys? It's Rico here, CEO of SourceFind Asia, co-host of the Main China Podcast, and the host of the SourceFind Asia YouTube channel. Sitting across from China Mike, the founder of SourceFind Asia, so. and this is a video cast. So we're going to be talking about. We recently took a trip to to Zambia, Southern Africa. If you guys are not aware, that's where I was born. 
um, before I moved to the States and eventually Canada. So Mike, obviously being my partner, was interested in checking out the country. I've always I've said nice things whenever I go back. Uh, so yeah, we're going to be talking about our trip. Okay, let's go. Good to get in? Yeah. Okay, cool. So yeah, before we get in depth with it, I just kind of wanted to set the trip up for people. So we were planning on going to Zambia for quite some time, but prior to heading out there, our schedules were kind of all over the place and we didn't really confirm the trip until the last minute. I think I booked my trip two or three days before I actually flew out there. So we didn't have a really in-depth plan of what we were going to do while we were out there. I think we had a good idea, though. Like, was, I mean, it wasn't like a... It wasn't a, like a long trip. Anyways. No, no, no. My, my point was it wasn't like this, uh, okay, every day we're going to be doing touristy things, this type of trip. It was, it was going out to meet your family, your friends, see Lusaka, just kind of kind of see the vibe of the city. So... Um, yeah, and we had planned to go to Victoria Falls. We didn't make that trip. So most of the time we were in Lusaka proper. Yeah. Specifically in a couple neighborhoods. Kablonga. Kablonga, yes. So main takeaways from the trip first on kind of like a surface level was definitely the music. Um, you know, I know some Afrobeats type music is popular in the States and elsewhere, but you know, I, saw, I saw Burner Boy was on The Breakfast Club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been, I saw him on The Breakfast Club too, but he's been on a kind of an interview tour or something in the, in the States. Um, so I'd been introduced to it before, but not on that level where everywhere you go, you're hearing we'll it. We'll probably use Burner Boy as the music. Oh, the dope. Um, so, you know, jump. I, I, I want to ask, what's the name of the rideshare app that we used? Ulendo. If we hop into Ulendo or... You know, we were in one of your friends' car, went to the to the restaurant, the bar, whatever. It was just constantly good beats playing. And for me, that was dope to just take that in. And, and I just think it's such a better vibe and feel than, like, popular music in a lot of other places, you know? Um, maybe that's just old me talking, but when I'm back in the States and listening to popular music, some of it's cool, but a lot of it's kind of cringy and hard to listen to and the... The Afrobeats was, was tough, and then when you guys started schooling me on, on who people were and where they were from in Africa, and I started to research it a little bit, I was, you know, impressed to see how big the following of a lot of these guys already is. Yeah. You know, they're huge in Africa and all over the world, really, except for maybe the States. But like you said, Burna Boy and some of these other guys are starting to get bigger gigs in the States as well. Also, I just think a lot of times some of the guys that are popular in the U.S., like people don't know that they're from Africa, you know. Mm -hmm. They might they might assume that they're from the, the Caribbean, for sure. And yeah, stuff like that. Just because and and it, they it's might also think weird Jamaican now. Because, yeah, they might think they're they're. they're Jam Did I ever tell you when I first moved to the U.S., uh, people thought I was from Jamaica? No, because of your accent. Yeah, because I had a I had a heavy Zambian accent at the yeah. time, and I was like, no. Because <laughs> in my mind, well, then when you told them from Zambia, I imagine most people in the states didn't know where that they didn't was know where or it was. anything and then, about and then it. In my in my mind, because I I traveled quite a bit and stuff at that age, yeah. so in my mind, like I was, I just assumed that everybody knew about geography. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm like, no. you guys don't know where Zambia. You know what I was just like? Yeah. It was that kind of thing, and I was constantly educating people. But I bet majority of Americans couldn't name five countries in, in Africa. Yeah, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so going back. So, yeah, the music was great. Um, your best friend, Tienz, who, you know, I got to know real well through the trip, he's actually a manager of music. 
Yeah. He, he puts on shows out there, so it was cool getting to talk to him. Yeah, he runs a, an, well, he's a part owner of an events company called uh, Pure Zambia. Mm-hmm. And part of what they do is they put on events. That's how I ended up going to Vic Falls the first weekend that I was, like I literally went to Victoria Falls like the day after I arrived. Yeah. I barely, barely slept, drove down for seven hours. Because two of his acts had a show, right? Yeah, he had uh, yeah, DJ Shots and the other guy that I don't remember right yeah. now. Which we should splice in a little bit yeah. because that, uh, that I have video- the clips and stuff like that. Yeah, the, the shots played. And I know John Sachs, uh, the saxophone dude. Yeah, they, so, had, they had a cool tandem going where the dude was on the... Yeah, the tables and the other guy was playing the sax. That yeah, was cool. Yeah, so yeah, they have uh, they started doing this with well, shots idea. He's like always been a big fan of Deep House, like from way, way, way back. Yeah, and uh, he was just like he'd never seen Deep House played with like a live, like live uh, band type thing. Mm-hmm. So he will play like a song, and then sax will like freestyle with a uh, John sax will freestyle with the saxophone, and then I think recently they added like bongos. And I think eventually they want to have like a full band playing over the it. deep house music. That's cool. Which which I thought was really. But awesome. that's what I'm saying. It was like I, I, you know, definitely because of TNs and where we were hanging out. But it was just a lot of unique sounds coming from everywhere that I hadn't heard before. So past the music, definitely the food. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of of barbecue, uh, like roast meat. Yeah, I think I just I pushed Perp. you there because that's what I like eating. Yeah, okay, there. Okay, just because okay. the, the like what I the biggest thing I always notice is when you eat like a gen- genetically modified food in Zambia is illegal. Yeah, so, I was just gonna say that. Some, I think your dad told me that when we were out there. Yeah, so it's like you can literally roast a, a piece of chicken and just put salt and pepper on it, and it will be like one of the best things you've ever tasted in your life. Just because the natural flavor of the the meat is yeah, it was so good. so good. And I don't yep. eat that much meat. Not yep. to say I don't eat meat, but I really don't eat much. And it's uh, it's definitely a, a, a small percentage of my diet. Yep. But when we were out there, it was a significant part of my diet. <laughs> and it was like you said, the, the, with the, without the GMO effect, like you really don't have that horrible feeling after you eat it. You yep. know, you actually felt good. Like like you got nutrients. Yeah, out as of long it. It as you're good. not eating like deep yeah, fried mass- yeah for stuff, sure or massive like, amounts. You yeah, know, we weren't yeah. eating tons, but. Yeah. We went to the Granddaddy's, was the the outdoor restaurant you took took me to, and that that was great, man. I really really enjoyed the food. Um, like I mean, the the more well, you ate some of the traditional food as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What your, did, what did you at, at your place in Shiba. At your place, we had some traditional food that was really good as well. Everything was great. It was really good food. Yeah, so in Shiba, for people that don't know, it's kind of like uh, they bake it from from corn meal um, and it's like it's kind of like a porridge that they bake into like a patty yeah and then you you get a piece of the, the there's patty, a whole whatever. process to eat yeah it. there's a whole thing it's like you you'll see somebody fucking stir in that shit and then you take a piece of the patty it's just like a small cake kind of thing and you take pieces you're supposed to eat with one hand uh, your right hand you keep your left hand clean and then you dip it in the soup and uh, like it's mostly stewed stuff uh, stews and stuff and it'll be like some beef or chicken or whatever and, and then vegetables on the side so you take a piece of the chicken and take a piece of the vegetables and then that's how you eat it so it was good it was yeah. good you were actually telling me that 
I don't actually I'm, eat that. No, you don't eat it, but yeah. you were saying it was an option on the Emirates flight, which you thought was yeah, crazy. Yeah, that was, uh, it's fast. Yeah, from Dubai to, to Lusaka, yeah. they have the shimmel on, on their menu. That's pretty it's cool, I thought. Yeah. Um, all right, so past, you know, the, the surface level stuff, there's a few things that really stuck out to me. I'll start with, because we're so heavily associated with China, is when you're rolling through Lusaka, it's hard not to see China, China, China yep. everywhere. Um, you know, it definitely confirmed for me, I guess it's not rumors, but confirmed, you know, that China is heavily invested in Africa yep. and, um, you know, really making a push there. It seemed like every major project that I saw was being operated by Chinese company. Sorry, sorry one sec. Luke, can you do me a favor? Can you give me my glasses? Yeah. I feel like I'm just out here squinting. So, uh, the Lusaka airport, yeah. you know, they're... Yeah, they're, they're building the new one. And yeah. That's Chinese construction Which company. looked like a big a big company and was, yeah, had Chinese signs up everywhere. And then the other thing that was, you know, pretty interesting for me is on my way back, I flew Ethiopian Airlines, which can't say I recommend. <laughs> so I, like I, I, I tried it one time, and I was yeah. like, never again. Uh, the experience in Addis Ababa Airport in Ethiopia was, was cool, and I was chugging 75-cent Ethiopian coffee, which was yeah. really, really good. But uh, yeah, the air, li- the air trip itself was, uh, it reminded me of, of like, you know, the opening scene from Airplane or Soul Plane or something when you're seeing all the characters come up onto it. But uh, the point was that there probably had to be like 60 or 70 migrant Chinese workers on that flight with me. And I was really surprised to see that, that it's not only Chinese, um, you know, business, businesses that are putting this stuff up, but they're also importing their own workers. Yeah, I mean, well, that's actually, that's how it started was uh, you had a lot of migrant workers that were factory workers in China moving to Zambia to start construction businesses. Uh-huh. And they would start off working as like a construction person for some company. They'd save up money. Thank you. They'd save up money and then they'd start their own uh, construction businesses. And a lot of those guys became really rich. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this is something that's unique to, to China. And this is the reason why a lot of Chinese people and immigrants are successful is they were willing to go and live there and slum it out, you know, and live yeah. in like the worst conditions possible, uh, worse than the local people. Build right? it up from there. Build up from there and then fly over their family, fly over their friends. And then of course, naturally, when, uh, you know, they start to, other people come over to start their own businesses, they help them get established and then they bring their own people. And then from the, the second side of it is when the Chinese government uh, invest money into projects, construction uh, projects and stuff, one of the requirements that they have is bringing over their own project manager and their own people to work mm-hmm. together with the Zambian construction people because they just want to oversee the projects and they want to make sure that uh, it's done like this, in the same speed and efficiency. That, yeah. that but I, I think a lot of other countries have some rules and regulations against how many of these you know, foreign workers you can bring into a project. Yeah. So that was interesting. On and one on one hand, it's like uh, on one hand, it's like uh, it was a negative because a lot of a lot of these Zambian construction companies suffered, mm-hmm. right, or are suffering. Um, 
And then, of course, the the workers themselves were upset because there's all these like Chinese workers coming. They took her jobs. <laughs> <laughs> they took her jobs. Uh, South Park reference. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, it's like competition, man. Like, if you want, like, I, I, I hate to say it, but the reality is Chinese Chinese construction people are just fucking super efficient. Yeah, they're hustlers, man. Yeah. They work six, seven days a week. They sleep on site. Yeah, there's no such thing as a weekend for them. So right. like, it's a big difference. The, the Zambian construction workers, they work five days, they go home on Friday, and they don't do anything Saturday, Sunday. So it's just, you know, what can you do? Right. I the Chinese that, construction that companies are coming in at cost and on time or mm -hmm. sometimes earlier. Like. Yeah. So you gotta respect it. And just one last thing about the Chinese people that I saw there, just it kind of reconfirmed what I've seen in other countries is they really, you know, for that matter, what you're talking about is they kind of have a different approach to, to business and, and slumming it out in order to get to another place. So I think there's kind of an objective there, but they really stick to themselves. You know, it's like when we're going out and socializing, you see people from all over, you know, there's a decent international community there, but yeah. not to say it's impossible, but rare that you would see a Chinese person in that mix, you yeah. know? When yeah, I yeah. saw them out, always with themselves, just very insular community, you know? Well, that's, I feel like that's always the case. Like even, uh, so at, at Seneca College in Toronto, there was a huge, well, just in general in, 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 in Canada, Canada, there's yeah, a huge Vancouver, Toronto, Asian everywhere. population, yeah. yeah. But like, at the college, I just remember like seeing groups of like 20, 30 Chinese people just hanging out amongst themselves. Right. Uh, which I always just found interesting. I just think it's that's such a cultural thing for them. Um, I think with Zambia specifically, what's going to happen or what is happening right now is the people that have moved to Zambia and have built these successful businesses and are sending their kids to private schools there, the international private schools, those kids will then start to hang out with people from outside yeah. of their outside of their Chinese. Sure, the circles. kids that are growing yeah. up abroad. Yeah. So yeah. those those kids when they're when like five, ten years from now when they're like twenty something years old, I'm pretty sure the scene is gonna look quite different. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Because I mean if you go back uh even with Zambia, if you went back like twenty years ago, it was way more segregated. Mm -hmm. uh, like, you know, black people would hang out with black people and the the European people would hang out with the European people yeah. and stuff like that. Even just like the spots were designed that way okay. just because of uh, you know British rule in, uh, until 1964. So it's like that generation had to kind of like have kids. Those kids grew up right, around right, everybody right. else around and other and other that's, cultures. That, that's the generation that you're seeing right now. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Your your group of friends was diverse and super cool. That was actually the next thing I was going to talk about was just like the consciousness of the community. Was something that really stood out and was really cool and really impressive. You know, in our world, being you know entrepreneurs working in Asia, being in these expat nomad communities, I think it's it's pretty easy to uh, to find good conversation, to find people who have um, a depth of interest and can you know get into more. Uh, interesting type of type of conversations basically and that's something that i don't have too much in china mm. you know and definitely not in the states either so i was really taken back by that just getting into like a ulendo for an example for example 
and just having a really intricate, cool conversation with this driver, you know? And he asked me why I'm there, what's going on? Okay, I came from China. Yo, I was just in China. I did this exchange program where I was out there. I'm, you know, driving this car, trying to get through school. Not to say that doesn't happen in the States or other places as well, but I just was really impressed with, um, you know, how diverse the, the, the culture, or at least the affluent culture there uh, was. I remember you had a conversation at, at the bank that kind of just stuck out to me. It was just the... Oh, yeah, yeah. The dude, I think he... Well, I mean, people can smell that I'm different. <laughs> like, it's just... That you're not a local. You're not a true local. Yeah, yeah. Whenever I walk around, they just look at me like, well, okay. Yeah. And then, of course, once I open my mouth and then the, the accent, it's like, well, okay, where's yeah. this guy from? But that dude, for some reason, just knew I was from China. Like, he knew that I, he knew that it, oh, somewhere I was somewhat China yeah, adjacent. Yeah, some type of China Something swag. about China. And I was like, dude, how, how did you, right, yeah, how did yeah. you pick that out? <laughs> so that, that's why I brought up that specific yeah. conversation, because I felt like I got that a lot throughout my, you know, eight to ten days there. It's just really cool experience from, from that perspective. And, you know, like I said, I know that maybe we were traveling in a little bit more affluent circles, but that definitely stuck out to me. And then, of course, one of my the biggest takeaways and one of the, uh, I, I had a great time hanging out with your friends. You know, they're a really interesting group, younger than me, but um, grew up all over the world. You know, they, they spent time like yourself growing up in different parts of the world, traveling a lot. So um, again, those conversations are cool. But I have to say like, um, I, a big part of my experience in Zambia was meeting your dad. Um, Mr. Nagoma is is definitely a character, and he, 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 you know, just, he's this guy who commands respect. And it was interesting to see, because we were hanging out at your house and your friends came over, like how your friends respond to him, you know? Yeah, but I, I, started, I, started, I started disrespecting him. I, told, I tell him he's a toothless lion. <laughs> you tell him what? I told him he's a toothless lion. Why? He's a toothless lion. He's done, man. It's uh, over. Yeah, he's, he's over the hill. He's just out there, he's just out there roaring without any real <laughs> threat. You know, he's got no teeth. But you could, he used you, to have teeth. You could tell <laughs> that, uh, you know, he's, he's just one of those dudes, man, you know? Just the atmosphere, we're hanging out, smoking chisa, having drinks, curling out, and you know, when your pops walks in the back, everybody kind of stands yeah, at attention. Like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Jumps up, <laughs> oh, hey, sir, how are you, how are you? And um, Even like when we were having that barbecue, uh, it, was, it was such a thing that only my dad would do. It was like he came out just to be acknowledged. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he didn't come like, to hey, say, I'm here. Yeah, he didn't come to say hi to people. He just came out just so people would be like, hi, oh, hi. Yeah. I was like, I was like, he just wanted to feel like, yeah, this is my house. Mm -hmm. Give but, me some respect. But I, uh, <laughs> he was, you know, other than, there's a few people, but I had some of the most conversations with your dad. You know, we, just me and him, we were at lunch a couple of times and he drove me to the airport. So he's got a great story. You know, I think you can do a whole podcast with him. I wanted to, I want to do a mini, I want to do a documentary about my dad's life. Yeah, I mean, he's got a fantastic story, man. Just what I mean, you've told me and then learning about him. And it really shines when you're sitting down and talking to him yeah. because on a 25 minute ride from your house to the airport, like just the, the vast amount of area we covered in our in our conversation and you know every time we're discussing a certain topic whether it be political cultural whatever he references a place that he's been he's traveled to and my dad traveled is, and my dad is probably one of the 
most well-traveled people I know. Mm-hmm. Like I'm still trying to catch up with him on that. Yeah, and yeah, I started. Terms, I started earlier, but like, yeah, and no, definitely in in terms of the amount of places he's been is yeah, is, yeah. is is crazy, and yeah. he's just um, has a fantastic memory, can recall things pretty quickly, and yeah, it was it was great, man. As I I got to see. Um, I learned more, a lot more about you through meeting him and kind of, kind of seeing how, you how see, he operates. Most definitely, yeah. most definitely. But I also, you know, got a deeper look into your fi- family dynamic and everything. So I kind of understood where, you know, how things, <laughs> how things were working. So we won't get deep into that. Uh. But that was cool, man. I just had a, had a big shout out to Rico's pops because um, just to give a, I guess, a summary of my dad. Uh, essentially, he he's, comes from a big family. He's got like a lot of siblings, but he's the oldest. And his mom sort of disappeared when she, when he was around eight or nine. And at the time, his dad was a butcher in Lusaka. And I guess that time period, this, was, this would have been the 60s. That time period was kind of unusual for a man to just take care of kids by himself. So they basically separated all of the siblings and two of the siblings, three of the siblings went to live with uh, my great grandmother mm-hmm. and then some with aunts and stuff like that. So my dad got separated from all of his siblings at the time. And then he ended up in, in the village uh, in Chipata and then uh, sort of like grew up there, went to high school there, started working immediately after high school, started paying for his younger siblings, like giving them money for you know, food and clothing and all that stuff. So he basically took on responsibility as like a father um, when he was like 19 or something. And then he went to the army. He went to the army as a way to make money and send money back. And also, uh, he didn't really know what to do mm-hmm. <laughs> after after high school. Um, after the army, he went into, he wanted to become a meteorologist for some reason. Did that for the like... The school was right next to the airport. Yeah, you told right, me about yeah, that. Did that for like a year, found it boring, yeah. quit. Um, all this time still supporting, like helping his younger siblings go through school. And then he uh, got a job opportunity from a newspaper to work for NCR. And NCR is a national cash registration company. Um, At the time, they were actually making uh, uh, cash registers, but they transitioned into banking software. Um, And yeah, he helped computerize the banks in Zambia. Like, Like they were literally, they went from doing whatever, doing analog on paper, to you know, implementing uh, banking software, ATMs, all that stuff. So he was involved. Well, he was leading a lot of that stuff with NCR. So that's kind of. And then of course he started his own. Uh, he started his own internet business later, like basically uh, providing Wi-Fi and stuff like that around the around the country. So yeah, that's my that's my pops. And as a and also in the process of the NCR thing, he then uh, was learning computer engineering and stuff like that. So they would send him to Greece or the US and like all these different countries, India. Like I didn't know that he went to India until he Yeah, until we talked about our India experience. China and all that stuff. So he was like, yeah, he was, and he was learning code when when you have to, when you had like a long roll of paper and you'd have to go through each individual line of code to check that it's been done correctly. Mm -hmm. So you'd have like a fucking, you know, 20 foot long piece of paper and you're just going through all that stuff. (laughs) That was the old school computer programming stuff. So he, um, as 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 a parent, you know, this is kind of I was kind of on the same wavelength as him, but it was it was I liked the way he presented it, and we were talking about how 
he decided to raise you guys. And he said, I ha always had this vision in mind of my kids being, how did he say, global citizens? Yeah. You know, and, and he said, I want them to be able to land anywhere in the world and be able to initially survive and eventually thrive. And, um, you know, seeing how differently your, you and your siblings, you know, especially because the age gap too, grew up was pretty, pretty cool. Just that guy, to get everyone's story and realize that that was, um, you know, you guys are your own people. Well, you, only, you only met one though. Yeah, yeah true. But I know your sister and your brother's story, you know, yeah. one's in America, one's in Canada. So, um, you know, you guys are definitely figuring out your own paths, but it was cool to see that that came from your dad's vision. It was a conscious decision. Yeah, it was a conscious decision for you guys to, to experience that type of stuff growing up. And I know that for me, that's just what I'm so passionate about for my own kid. So that, that was, that yeah, was I mean, cool. When we moved to the States, uh, a lot of people were questioning why, because mm -hmm. my dad was running a successful business. My mom also had a successful business, so it was just like, what's the point? Right, right, right. You guys uh, are doing doing yeah, well in Zambia. Yeah, my dad, whatever, he had his own, he had his vision. Mm -hmm. um, one other thing I was gonna discuss that, that I really loved and maybe you have a different idea or, or it's just because uh, Zambia and Lusaka is still developing, but I really loved that just the giant corporations aren't like fully entrenched there, mm -hmm. you know, and just advertising and marketing. I know, <laughs> I know this is kind of silly coming from, you know, somebody from SFA who's doing target advertisements and a part of the consumer business fully, but, um, you know, I like to and have- We're working at uh, literally like Google's offices or one floor. Right, right, right. But I do like- get much more corporate than this. I do like to have a balance and, and it's, that's just not thrown in your face as much, I felt in Zambia. And then also I felt like the people, of course, you know, you see some people who are kind of bougie and had nice things and, and but, it just didn't seem to be as big of an emphasis. It's not quite as much in your face all the time with- well, What do you mean, the consumer culture? Consumer culture, and, and, and in my opinion, a lot of that comes from just constant bombardment of advertisements and like, this is what is beautiful. This is what you should have. You're not shit unless you have this type of thing. You yeah. know, that's the, you don't feel that in Zambia as much. And in the conversations I was having with people, that's why I was so taken back by like the, the, the consciousness of the community and how many cool conversations I was having because, you know, if I'm, not with everybody, of course, but if I'm in America or in China, I don't get those. And I think a lot of it is because so much of the emphasis is on this consumer culture all the time. I mean, how many times in China, and you don't speak Chinese, but, I'm sure you, you've seen it. No, how many times in China do you hear somebody? How dare you, sir? Huh? How dare you, sir? Oh, your Chinese is great. <laughs> how many times do you hear people talking about how much stuff costs? Yep. That, that is the one thing if I'm picking up, if I'm walking through the metro or I'm sitting at a restaurant, all the time we're talking about how much cars cost, how much this apartment costs, how much this costs. And it's cool. Sometimes you have to figure out expenses and try to aim for things. I'm not saying that's terrible, but like when that is all the time what we're talking about and so much of the conversation, it just, I think that kind of sucks, you know? And then on the American side, a lot of it is just 
keeping up with your schedule and your 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 regular maintenance of your life and you know you go to work and you come back and it's kind of like systemized in that matter there's not as a whole as much time to reflect on other things and kind of uh, work on passion projects and talk about what interests you, you know, what sparks your feelings and emotions. And I feel like I, I was getting that in Zambia. And possibly a big reason for that was because it's not fully corporate and there's not these ads and marketing campaigns in your face every fucking second of the day. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Um, I, think, I think if you're talking about China specifically, I just, I think culturally China is just like that. Like, I remember one of the biggest things that struck me when I arrived in China was just how blunt people were with asking about things like that. Like, how much did you pay for yeah. that? Yeah. How much do you make? How much do you, you know? Yeah, I don't like, even know you, like, man. Sure, man. <laughs> Fuck off. Christ. Like, just like a, a couple grand, I guess. Yeah. Um, how much do you make? <laughs> I was like, I mean, can you buy me coffee for Yeah, me? yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that, struck, that struck me as a big thing in China, just like how blunt people are about comparing, you know, finances and stuff. Um, I'm not sure what that stems from. I think maybe that's just Chinese culture in some sense. Um, I also think in terms of the consumer stuff, because the place has developed so rapidly, I don't think people are educated as to how this marketing stuff affects them. Right. So, so it's just a matter of time, basically. Yeah, they're just, <laughs> they're just following it. And it's also just, I mean, if you think about Chinese culture in general, like they're trained to follow instructions, right? Yeah. Like from oh, the education. You're still talking system. about China. I thought you had moved over to Zambia. No, no, no. Okay. No. Like they're trained to follow instructions just because of how they grow up, right? Mm -hmm. So like it's very normal that they would then just jump into this consumer culture without really taking a step back to yeah. analyze it. With Zambia, uh, I mean, I think it. Uh, I would like to say, I mean, I'm not. I don't really have that many friends, but like uh, Tians is my inward to those people that we were hanging out with. Mm -hmm. That's also like a kind of curated group of people, you know? So there's some people, there's definitely a lot of people that I've sat down with and they're just talking about like the latest shit that they bought yeah, traveling yeah, yeah, yeah. to this okay. place and buying this okay. and buying that. There's a, there's, a there's a definite consumer culture in the sense of like competing with each other. There's, um, there's people that will buy a, you know, expensive Mercedes but live in a shitty house. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, so all that right, they right. can look like this when they're, you know, outside. That's that's such a big thing. Like I've there's people that there's people that have borrowed money just to build a crazy house that they couldn't afford. Like that that is a very common thing that happens that side. And then I, I mean I just remember like some of the kids that I, I, I went to school with I would sit down with them and it's like I haven't seen this person in five years or whatever and it's like they start telling talking you about, to me about what the they latest got. shit that his dad paid for, <laughs> not him. Yeah. He's like, yeah, my dad just bought me a, a Maserati. Uh, I was in, I was in Dubai right, last week. Right, I, was like, right, right. I was like, okay, but what are you so doing? So maybe You're things like, haven't yeah. fully developed, and I was getting, you know. Yeah, it's just. A a, I mean, maybe, maybe the yeah, no, I think so. Yeah, going. I think it's a curated, curated because I, I, I'll hang out with some of those people. And I'll just be like, Tians, I, don't, I never want to hang out with this person again. Can't do it. I was like, I don't, I don't want to be around this kind of energy. Like, right. um, and then, yeah, but just definitely from the advertising standpoint, it's not as crazy. Uh, I, think, I think because of the way people use their phones and stuff like that, like mm -hmm. people are more, they're more like, 
more in, uh, in terms of the social media stuff, I don't think the companies have started to like do social media advertising in the same way that it's done in the States okay. and the same way that it's done in China. So it's not like really in your face. Mm -hmm. The advertising is more on TV. Got it. And like if me Traditional and you, we type. don't, yeah, we don't really watch TV. So it's like, you're not going to see that. Yeah. But if you watch TV, it's like advert after advert after advert like that. And then Got it. obviously billboards around the city. But I think there's a little bit also kind of, there definitely is a misrepresentation of what Africa is, especially in Western cultures, mm -hmm. you know, coming from Hollywood movies or what, you know, what people who've never been there consider and think of when they, when they think of Africa. But again, I was, I was only in one specific area, but um, also, what was uh, Sam's sister's name? Sipo. Sipo. She had spent some time in America, and I talked to her about it, and I remember her kind of having a chip, about, a chip on her shoulder about the experience. Oh, she's, she's on some, like... Super <laughs> proud type stuff. Yeah, I mean, I had some weird conversations with her the last time. I was just like, man, you are angry. Uh, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> so like, maybe that was just, you know, you from, so coming angry. from one person's perspective. But even, even everybody else, um, which was... I greatly appreciate it, but everybody was really conscious of how you doing, Mike? Like everything okay? What do you think of Zambia? You know, and I, I think people are genuinely curious, but I think they wanted to make sure that I was having a, a positive view of what was going on around me. When I, I, I again, I greatly appreciated it, but I didn't feel like it was it was necessary. You know, yeah. like I'm I'm hanging out in your guys's dojo. Like I'm I'm the grateful one. I need to make sure that you guys are not. Those were an unusual set of events that happened when you <laughs> when yeah, you arrived. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> just, I was like, this is not. This yeah, is not, some some yeah. some shit went down out of me and Rico's uh, control. control. It had nothing to do with us. It was just yeah. a wild situation. So. But it was, a, it was a great experience, man. I loved it. The, everybody that I met was cool. I'm super excited to go back. Can't wait to go to Livingston and see the falls and you know, hopefully venture out to see, to see more spots for sure. That's it. What about the business climate? Oh, yeah, most definitely. I mean, just the fact that a lot of the things, yeah, I mean, there's just, a lot of opportunity, you know? There's a lot of construction, Chinese and Zambian yeah, construction. The whole, the whole city, the, the whole, city all the roads are under construction when yeah. we were there, building up, creating better infrastructure. And yeah, you could tell there was um, a lot of things that haven't hit in Lusaka that are pretty commonplace in other, other parts of the world. And I think there's a ton of potential, ton, a ton of potential there. And you saw the, a lot of the places that we were going, which were, you know, somewhere like we are right now, you know, like a really cool cafe or co-working space. They were swamped, man. They were yeah. swamped, getting tons of traffic. And, you know, the people are hungry for for those type of, of things and new opportunities there. So I think, you know, if you're a entrepreneur, you got to consider that, that, that market to, to dip into. A lot of the share apps, you know, like you said, Ulendo was there, but they didn't even have a um, electronic payment process. Yeah, yet. it's cash. You know, it's still cash only. So I think there's just so many avenues that you could you could tap into in Zambia. Um, co-living, co-working, everything, everything. There's 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 so much. It's very raw. There's a lot, a lot to move on there. Okay. 
Alright guys, I uh, hope you enjoyed the video coming to you live from uh, KMC building in uh, BGC Manila. And if you like this kind of content, like, comment, share, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. I'll see you guys next week. Now I was dreaming about a deal at the age of 13. I was feeding for the meals, I ain't talking Burger King. Some of my niggas in the ville, all they did was surfing. Fuck scales, I had skills all day rehearsing. The pretty boys had them gals, spent their time flirting. All they wanted was some waves like they fucking surfing. Hold up now, don't get it twisted, I ain't hating, do your thing. I was like a young Simba, couldn't wait to be the king. Now a nigga is the prince. Hopped over the fence with a grass, way greener. Look at Shawty ass, way meaner. Something like Serena mixed with Trina, have you seen her? She fine enough to be Miss Howard, word to Adina. My money like a senior, watch it graduate. Now it's time to eat, I'm letting all my niggas grab a plate. Gravitate the real shit, stay away from phonies. These niggas heard about me, now they acting like they know me. Keep on saying, where you going, nigga? Shit, it ain't no telling.